Hi guys, as you can see through the title, a really special treat for you guys today. I've got an interview with Teddy Kilika, he's an actor who's starred in Only Murders the Building the Blacklist and including a plethora of our roles throughout his career. Um, this interview you're going to hear, um, I want to just get right to it. A really, really great interview, I think. You'll agree with me, I said that I could listen to Teddy's stories for days on end without getting bored and I hope you guys feel the same. So, without any further ado, here is our interview with Teddy. Teddy, th- thanks for joining me here today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not bad, not bad. I'm listening. I took my cousins down to Cardiff this weekend. I'm up in Glasgow. So I took them down to Wales because the WWE were over here, the wrestling. Ah. So, yeah, I'm not jet lagged, but I feel I'm car lagged from the long uh, journeys coming back and forth with those two. So, so WWE is is popular in Scotland, I guess, huh? Oh, 100%. All over the world. All yeah, over the world. The world. We love yeah. the rock, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, all that jazz over here. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. to, steal a, to steal a joke from an old Odd Couple episode with Jack Klugman, that's the only sport I bet on. <laughs> do you know what it is? I actually do bet on it and still lose. So I would say, I would say stay <laughs> away from funny. it. <laughs> that's funny. Well, what did you do for your weekend? Were you up to anything exciting? Yeah, we had a we had a nice weekend. Let me go back and think what we did Saturday. Uh, Saturday, we just went out to lunch and uh, we just did a Disney trip. They said, "Can we go one more time, Grandpa?" So we went one more time to Disney this year, and so so we went out with them on Saturday. Now, yesterday we had um, two of my kids live within a mile. And the other two live, one in Syracuse, New York, and one in Salem, Massachusetts. So my kids that live around here yesterday came by. Today, I don't know what the heck we're going to do. And uh, it's going to rain tonight. We haven't had a lot of rain this year, so i rain. Neither have we, which is strange for my part of the world. Uh, It's very unsettling. (laughs) But what's, what's the first thing you go towards when you get to Disney? Disney World, what's the first thing you do? Uh, what did we do first? We went, actually, the first day we went to Disney Hollywood um, for some reason. I don't remember why. We, we, we were there four days, four to five nights, I don't know. But we went to three parks mm. and we did the Hollywood the first day. We did um, the Magic Kingdom the second day. Then we took a day off and then we went to Epcot the last day awesome. we had a ball we had well yeah. we did about eight miles a day in walking and you know i'm i'm no spring chicken and uh <laughs> but we kept up we kept up there were a couple of times where we like uh found a place to have a nice decent lunch but it was sort of a, a public place where people came and went and we sort of hoarded a table for about two hours my wife and i and every once in a while when people were looking i would just like look and see are they coming with my food yet you know i was you know so we, <laughs> we sort of sat there for a while yeah we, we recounted it all yesterday when my daughter was here and we we were telling them about the trip and and she said we were in that building for four hours i said no two hours <laughs> it was so hot it was hot. You're out in the heat, and then you're inside the building, and it's very air-conditioned. But it's the best place in the world, I think. I, I haven't think. been since, no. like, 2013. I think it's about 10 years ago. Oh, um, so you do. Yeah, yeah. You my dad, dad took us over, um, so I understand the humidity. And like I say, from coming for the chilly air of Glasgow into Florida, I thought it was going to melt. It was like the, the witch from Wizard of Oz by the end of the trip. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it was the like my granddaughter, like she she's in a PT grad school, so she only had a couple of weeks off. So we had to do it this one week, you know. Yeah. And but we we made it, you know. We it's it's good. It's all good. I'm very lucky. I have four kids, eight grandkids, and um, and we're all involved. Oh, that's with lovely. each other. Yeah, yeah, big yeah. big family and a big a big trip to Disney. That sounds fantastic. But that's the that's the present. That was this weekend. I want to take you back to your childhood. Obviously, you're a very prolific actor these days. But what were your very early influences? Like, what were the first films and TV shows that you remember loving growing up? It's funny. Yeah, growing up, I was a big fan of Abbott and Costello, and I still till this day say. Lou Costello had a lot to do with what I do today. And uh, I know that I don't steal from him consciously, but I do know I steal from him <laughs> unconsciously. <laughs> um, so that's that's one. Uh, definitely Lou Costello. Um, and I, <clears throat> as a kid, I listened to all those uh, Bill Cosby albums and... Uh, and as a matter of fact, the very first thing I ever did on stage was in a freshman speech class. I learned a Bill Cosby bit about little tiny hairs growing out of my face, you know, and it's this whole bit about, you know, but and I learned it word for word. I, I stole everything from it. I stole every inflection. I stole every every sound he made in that bit. I, and, and, and it was a hit. It was a yeah. hit class. And um I guess I was the only 13-year-old listening to Bill Cosby at that time. At the time. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know, I, I sort of, people told me I was funny. And uh, so then I started doing stand-up and uh, realized real quick that I wasn't angry enough to do stand-up. So, so um, <laughs> yeah, so someone said to me, why don't you try commercials? And I was very lucky in the 80s and 90s. I, I was, I did lots of commercials. Yeah. And, um and I think it, people seeing my face uh, on television for many years uh, subliminally helped me later on because many of my commercials, you know, I was a blink, you know, I was, you know, you know, whatever it was, but I was very lucky. I, I was a little short, chubby guy. And uh, even when I did stand up and I, I don't think I was really good. I mean, and again, I didn't from early on, I just realized it wasn't for me, you know, yeah. But I would get announced, you know, I'd be introduced to come up on stage and I'd be walking through the crowd to go up the stage and I'd hear somebody say, oh, this guy's going to be funny, you know, <laughs> and, and I didn't even open my mouth yet, you know, so. Uh, it's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I guess if I just stuck with it, but I, I just found acting just much more comfortable and much less ruthless. Um Comics are pretty ruthless. Yeah. And I remember I did a joke about, I don't know if you know, but a, a roach motel. There used to be this roach killer thing that you would put in, in the corner of your house in Manhattan and, you right. know, and the roaches would walk out to it and they would never come out. It was called, they marketed it as a roach motel. And I remember <laughs> I did a roach motel joke like, uh, you know, I put a roach motel in my apartment, came home flicked on the light they're all sitting around the pool you know something yeah. like that you know and, um, <laughs> and I did a bit one night and I I, I I know who the comic is but he's he, he's whatever but uh, he came up to me at the, when I came off stage and he said to me I do a roach motel bit oh, oh God. And, and was really pissed and then caught and it may have even been after his Roach Motel joke didn't work. I didn't yeah. know. 
And yeah. he was more of a headliner than I was. I, I mean, I went on before him in those days. So that, yeah. uh, but, um, but acting, I found acting very comfortable. And then I saw Danny Aiello. I don't know if you know who Danny Aiello is. Uh, no. No, Danny Aiello is a great Italian actor. Um, Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee's movie. He plays yes. the pizza guy. The, the guy yes. who wants the pizza. Yeah. My yeah. pizzeria. They got my pizzeria. <laughs> yeah. well, anyway, I saw Danny... <laughs> I saw Danny do a play called Gemini on Broadway, and and uh, I had been doing co- comedy then, and then I saw him do a play called Knockout with with, with Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill, who was married with children, uh, I don't know if you guys get to see that. And married stuff. to children in Modern Family, uh, right? As well, well yeah, yeah, yeah my, my, right, Modern Family. I saw him do this play Knockout with Ed O'Neill, and it was about heavyweight fighters, and it didn't. The, the, the critics killed it. Because they said boxing does not belong on the Broadway stage. I mean, and uh, but it was a great play. I, I I thought it was a great play. But I seeing Danny on stage, that I said to myself, I can do that. I think yeah. I can do that. And um, and then I, you know, I, again I got into the commercials. I, I started studying, and um, and I did every little play in Manhattan, every little corner, every little you know. If there's a, all right, well, there's only. There's five people in the cast, and we only have four people in the audience. Do we have to go on tonight? I mean, you know, every little play like that, because that's sort of an unwritten equity rule, I think. If there are more people in the cast that are in the audience, I think you don't have to go on. I think that would be a myth, too, but... so I did every little play everywhere. I mean, I and then, you know, in, in 2007, I got my chance to go on, do, do Broadway. I got yeah. cast. I only did one. I've only done one Broadway show, and uh, but I got cast by Joe Mantello, who is, I think, the biggest Broadway act, uh, director, and he's not a bad actor either. Angels in America and a couple of other things he's done, yeah. but Joe cast me in a revival of um, of The Ritz with Rosie Perez, and um, it was thrilling. I mean, and and again, just my subliminal face from television, I think, got me that job because. People know my face. I, I always say they know my face, so I'm a face. I'm not a name. Yeah. And I always say when I do write the one-man show, and you know, I've been saying this for 30 years, so who knows if I'll ever write it, but it'll be called The Guy Next to the Guy. Nice. And, <laughs> and that's what my career has been, basically. I've been the guy next to the guy. What, what would be the idea for the one-man show then? Is there anything? What, what's been floating around your head? The only thing I could come up in my mind is stories. You know, yeah. stories of, of, of things that happened, um, you know, some, you know, there were some not so nice famous people and there were more than much, many more than that famous people who were wonderful. But yeah. I, I'm not going to bring up names because I like working now, you know, and I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to burn any bridges. But and, yeah. and there aren't really, there aren't many. And, 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 uh. You know, people say to me, you worked with Alec Baldwin. I, Alec Baldwin was wonderful when I worked with him on 30 Rock. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. The yeah. only thing I saw Al, Alec Baldwin do, which is I loved that he was doing, was every once in a while when things were slowing down a little bit, he'd say, come on, come on, how come we're not shooting? How come we're not shooting? What? Which I love that because I like yeah. to keep – but he was terrific. So I, could, I, I wouldn't even say, you know, this person was this or this person was that. But because I really – they've all been – yeah. Even right now, the shows I'm doing right now, uh, I mean, Steve Martin, I, in 2018, we have a little theater company where I live here. Well, we don't now because COVID sort of killed a lot of things. Yeah. But 
I went to my little theater company in this little town, Hackensack, New Jersey, and and I don't I, I don't need to go across the river from where I live to Manhattan anymore because it, I just yeah. no, it's not what it used to be. And I don't mean crime or anything. I mean years ago I could do a play. I'd get in my car, drive across the George Washington Bridge, park my car at seven o'clock. And then walk to the theater, then go on at eight, walk back to my car and drive home, be home by 1030 or whatever it was, you know, it, yeah. it's not like that anymore. So I loved the theater. So we had this little theater company. And what I'm getting at is in about 2018, I said to him, you know, there's this play and I love it. It's called it's a Steve Martin play. It's called The Underpants. And and I said to him, let's do this play. Let's it's funny. But I, I didn't really think I was going to be in it. And, and I'm the old guy in the theater company, so I um, I just uh, show up for rehearsal if I'm not in the play, and I keep the book. In other words, actors need the lines. I'll I'll give them their line. Then nine o'clock, I go home. That's my yeah. that's my deal. So that's when it. we're casting this play, I realize there's this old guy in the play. He comes in at about page twenty six, and he basically just walks across the stage. He doesn't have a line or anything. And then he doesn't come back again until like page 96. This the underpants is a it's sort of an old farce that is was a German play that Steve Martin um um you know what I mean adapted yeah. adapted thank you. Yeah. And and as we're reading people for the for this for the play he said you know this is old guy in the play. I think I want to play him. I think I'll play the old guy. And you know, he was, you know, he, he oh, and it was about his rooming house. This, this they they had this this house. These people and the woman, everybody saw her underpants in the town square. So it was the talk of the town. So yeah. all these men keep coming because they want to rent the extra room. They said, of course, now they know about the woman in the underpants. Anyway, so what happened? Now, let's fast forward to 2020, and Jamie Babbitt, who was one of the executive producers on on Murders. Also, I worked with on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I did one episode with her. One episode, one scene. She gave me one note. I took the note. I did exactly what she wanted. From there, she called me. I did a film with her, with Drew Barrymore, and she brought me to Murders. She brought, so so I, I owe a lot to Jamie Babbitt. Um, but in I still had to read for John Hoffman. And I said to John Hoffman after I read for him, who was the creator, I said to him, you know, I did Steve's play the. I don't know if this means anything, but you know, I did Steve's play the underpants, and it's just sort of interesting how now I'm reading for Steve's TV show. And John Hoffman said, "Steve loves hearing that. He loves hearing that." So, <laughs> P.S. They hired me. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And what's the experience been like then? Obviously, going from adapting his play to now getting the part and only murders. Like, what's it been like working with uh, Steve Martin and the rest Martin, of the crew over there? Steve Martin. It's Steve <laughs> Martin, and I remember going to see him in Long Island, New York, in Nassau Coliseum when he did the the act with the arrow through his head, you know? Yeah. And and uh, so I I love Steve Martin. I mean, I think The Man with Two Brains is one of the funniest movies. When he's when he's operating on uh, uh, whatever he's doing, and he's operating on two different people at once. I mean, I, and, and there's another scene. He did a movie with Eddie Murphy. I couldn't even tell you the name of it. But there's a scene where he wants Eddie Murphy to cross the street and traffic is coming like crazy. And he's <laughs> saying, no, come on. No, no, you're good. Come on. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just always love Steve Martin. And, and and getting to work with him now. And, um, I mean, come on, I'm in the room. I mean, that's what I'm telling people. I'm in the room. 
Yeah. Um, and they're letting me contribute now even a little more, which is wonderful. Totally. I mean, you had a great, there was a great sort of dramatic scenes in that Blackout episode you had uh, in this previous season. That must have been good to get to get to do that this season. Wonderful. And and, and uh, John Hoffman had told me, the, the head the head writer, showrunner, that, you know, they're, he, you know, he, he, I just knew something was coming. I knew, yeah. and then I saw the scene, and, and the scene that I had with Nina in episode eight was like, I felt just so, I don't know, it was so real to me that, you know, that here's Lester, and, and you know, he's, he, you know, he, they showed he's a real, he's a human being, and then he even showed even more in the finale that not only was he a doorman, but he was an actor. Yeah. And, you know, and, <laughs> and I'll give you a little tip there. Um, Dan Fogelman is our executive producer from This Is Us. And I don't know if you're a This Is Us fan, but he actually wrote that speech that I that I made. Oh, wow. Him. Yeah, they told me that after we shot it, that Dan wrote this speech. And it was a great. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It's, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, again, I have eight grandkids, so I've been around a while. And... Uh, <laughs> It was written really well, but you're not going to say it, but I'll say it. It was also performed like really, really well. It made me sort of tear up, and I was like watching and, it, and I was like, it's fantastic. And really, I was really learning a, a lot, too, because I purposely basically just read my parts in the script. I find my – and then I really don't want to know too much because I'm not – you know, although I'm I'm sort of a – I'm sort of a, a, a yenta, I would think. I would call him a yenta in the building. But – um you know, he just, he knows his place in a way, but he's also, his, this yeah. is his world. I mean. Totally. And he's part of the hotel. I think that's one of the things the show does so well. We have all of these characters popping up around the mystery that right. give the, the building life, you know, and it gives the space life. But now, like you're saying, this gave him more to do and we got to see more of him as a person. Like, What's the what's the plans for season three then? Do we know anything yet? Who knows? We <laughs> they don't tell us anything. Um, I don't. I know honestly. I know as much as you know. As a matter of fact, I did see that Paul Rudd will now be a character in season three, which means yeah. I guess they'll just retrace um, that year from when Oliver got the play to when opening night. And <clears throat> I don't know if Paul Rudd is going to live in the building. Yeah. I, no, you know, but I'm curious to see because I, I, I'm telling you, John Hoffman, I've worked on a lot of shows and I've worked with a lot of good people, honestly. But John Hoffman, as a showrunner, I mean, he's right there and for everything. He's not upstairs in an in office somewhere. He's right there. Yeah. And 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 he's so giving he's such a a good guy i mean it's 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 really i mean i'm so very lucky i really so and we're lucky to watch it as well because it's been for me it's like i discovered it this year uh like i missed season one so i got to binge it and then i was like i need to watch season two as quick as i can but i didn't realize it was a week to week release so i got to like episode seven and i was like Where's the last three episodes? And I was like, it's coming out. I was like, no, like, I don't want to see it all now. It's such but, a fantastic <clears throat> show. People do like to wait until the whole. I have friends that say, no, no, I wait till they they're all out, and then I I watch them in in one or two nights. They yeah. say, because they they like that, you know. And That's it was serious. sort of nerve wracking waiting. I mean, 
you know, if I wasn't in the episode, it wasn't so nerve wracking. But <laughs> I knew what was coming. And, yeah. and I, you know, you never know what they're going to cut. Um, and and <clears throat> I've been lucky. I mean, I haven't had so much that they could cut cut from. Yeah. But I have to say everything that they that I said in episode eight and everything that I said in episode 10 made it into the made it into both shows. So <clears throat> for me, that made me. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. I just hope they don't kill me next year. <laughs> oh, finger, fingers crossed. I the the murder case for season four. But, right. So obviously Paul Rudd's joining the cast, but there's always been a celebrity cameo who's living in the building seasons. We've got Sting in season one, like Adam Schumer in season two. If you had to pick any celebrity to move into the building, who would it be? Only because I just did a movie with him, and he and he's and it was wonderful. But yeah. Anthony Hopkins, I did a Anthony. movie with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. What was that experience like? It, oh, that was great. I, I and we we should talk about it because um, I spent two weeks with him. I play his brother-in-law in the movie, and and um, it's it's uh, it was at Cannes this year, and it did very well at Cannes. It was only two American movies being judged at Cannes this year, and it was one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called Armageddon Time. It's mm-hmm. a story about a, a Jewish family in in uh, Queens, New York. In the 1980s, mm-hmm. and um, James Gray, who um, wrote and directed it, this is basically his story as a young boy, as a yeah. 13-year-old in it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it, Tony, I can call him Tony now. I'm officially can call him Tony. And we email. He he, yes. he gave me he gave me his email, and he emailed me before I me emailed him. It's exciting, isn't it? It's so, <laughs> and he's such a nice man. I, I can't tell you. And we were family in the in the movie. Like yeah. the, it was myself. Uh, um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm the I'm the probably the least character of the family. This myself and and another woman. We play uh, his his brother-in-law and sister-in-law in the movie. But it, but they're a tight family. They these dinner scenes where everybody's at dinner and this and that. But um, yeah, he he just and 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 it's gonna oh it's it's gonna show at the New York Film Festival. It's gonna be featured at the New York Film Festival. We're going to one of these, oh. you know, openings on October twelfth. And um, my wife and I will get to to be you know feel like like you know like like other actors do, but really we just live this suburban life out in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, and I have a I had a, a a a neighbor who lived sort of across the street from me, but maybe you know. 100 feet away or 200 feet away yeah. and he lived there for five years and we said hello and you know maybe during a snowstorm you would talk a little bit or this or that and um and then he moved and well, he was moving and he said to me are you on facebook i said yeah, yeah i'm on facebook yeah all right well let me have your thing i'm going to friend you and but yeah okay good 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 two days later after he moves away i get a note from him on facebook hey i didn't know you were an actor <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, honestly. So I'm very anonymous. I really yeah. purposely, yeah. What I recently got I recently got recognized in Disney World. I got recognized with my grandkids in, in Long Beach Island, New Jersey, and I got recognized in IKEA the other day. So <laughs> I'm I'm really hot. And thank God I couldn't get find my way out of IKEA because I would have never got recognized if I would have found my way out. So yeah. anything about IKEA, um, I wrote this joke many years ago that in Swedish, IKEA actually means no way out. Um, no. no <laughs> have you ever been in an IKEA? I literally moved flat a couple of weeks ago. 
So I try and avoid IKEA like it's the plague. So you've been in an IKEA. Aye, aye. There's one. And you like, know there's no way out. It's horrible. It is a they, horrible experience. They put arrows on the floor now. It's still difficult. Still, <laughs> I still got lost. It's still, it's still terrible. And it was like I had to go when I was sick as well because I had like this move-in date, right? So my dad came to help me buy stuff from Ikea. And it ended up, I was like, I can't carry the heavy stuff. So I've got lamps and he's even the boxes with like wardrobes up to this third floor flat. <laughs> and, and, he's then, like, <laughs> and then you've got to put it together. Oh, and just when I was there the other day, I, I wanted to ask a question. And the woman was taking care of another man who for six weeks has been waiting for a piece that was missing in a box of something that he had to put together. And this <laughs> poor guy, at first I'm saying to myself, oh, this guy's an idiot. I mean, really, just all right. Yeah. And then I'm listening to the story and how he went to this Ikea and then this. And I felt bad for him by then. I said, oh, my God, well, give the guy his part. Find it, please. <laughs> it would do you. It would. It would drive you crazy. Like if you had one, because it's also integral to it. it. It could be the smallest little screw, it. and it's the only screw that's going to fit, and the whole thing's going to come tumbling down without it. I can't yeah. can't stand it. But you talk about New Jersey. What's your favorite thing about New Jersey? Oh shoot! What's my favorite thing about New Jersey? Mm. I like living here in. Mm -hmm. in I can be in Manhattan in 15 minutes from where yeah. I live. I can just go right down. I go to my corner here. I make a left and I go 12 miles and I'm over the George Washington Bridge. So yeah. uh, that I like. Um, we're pretty sad. I mean, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, yeah. New York, till I was 13. And then we moved out, out to New Jersey. I don't know. I don't think we'd ever want to live anywhere else. We talk about it. We're here to yeah. stay. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, it's just, I, I think it's a good place to live. But, you know, I, I, we were in Florida, like I said last couple of weeks ago, and I wouldn't want to live in Florida. I mean, you know, it's just, a, I don't know, it's just, it looks like a lot of space, you know, there's so much room, you know. I, <laughs> it's overwhelming. <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, we got a little, I mean, like, uh, I have an above ground pool that I've had for many years. I, as a matter of fact, I think I'm on my third. I actually had an above ground pool that exploded with two of my grandkids in it a couple of years ago. What happened? It was 27 years old. And there was a there was a rust there was a rust mark on part of it, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't realize and then, you know, that's a rust mark. It'll be fine, you know, as long as the line is and one day it, we were all two everybody was home. It was crazy. And my two grandkids were in the pool. And all of a sudden, I was in the house, and all of a sudden, I heard pop. And I said, oh, man, one of the kids jumped on a tube, and it popped. And then I hear my daughter say, oh, no, the pool broke. And, <laughs> and, and it was like, and two of my grandkids ended up like they were in a tsunami. But luckily, the fence next door stopped them from being sent with the water any further. Oh, and no. There was no damage, and it was doing, it was COVID. It was the first summer of COVID. Oh, but I got a pool. I got another pool within a couple of weeks. I had another. Oh, one. Yeah, it was my lucky. pool. It's my thing. I mean, I, I don't care. It, it's very, it's you know, it's very Jersey, I guess you know. But yeah, we, we have we we're good. We, my wife and I, we hang out there a lot. You know, nice. we're uh, reading. I'll play on the phone. You know, whatever. <laughs> it is. That would have been good during COVID as well, though, to have the pool. Like, if you didn't have the pool during that time, that would have been the worst time for it to break and not oh. be replaced. 
Yeah, our, our life cha- changed a lot during COVID. I mean, I remember during COVID, we were we were staying up till three in the morning and, you know, getting up 11 o'clock. I mean, because there was no school bus going by to wake us up. But it was, yeah. no, you know, there was so, I, I, I said to my wife yesterday, I said, tomorrow, meaning Tuesday, I said, you're going to hear the school buses go by. She said, but school doesn't open till Wednesday. I said, no, but yeah. they do the test run on Tuesday, I said. So I don't get lost on Wednesday. So anyway, yeah, we're, it's pretty quiet here today and things will pick up uh yeah, starting Tuesday, you know. Oh, God, the wake up alarm. <laughs> I'm very lucky, you know. I'm going back to the blacklist. I did the blacklist too. I'm going back to the blacklist the end of the month. And I had to ask I'm, you about the blacklist because I have to say, right, my dad has a very set schedule of things that he watches. And the blacklist is like front and center. On oh, the okay. Shows. So he'll know my character. I, play I have Brim- to ask you about I play Brimley. Brimley. Yeah. And my bit is James. Spader, who is, again is a is a great great person, yeah. uh, and we've he's been ten seasons. I'm doing this with him now, and and I yeah. pop in maybe only three or four episodes a season, but the character is known. And I'm he, James says, Teddy, you're my interrogator, mm-hmm. but really I torture people. <laughs> I'm, I'm really his torturer, and that's what your father will tell you. Oh, he's a torture guy, he's and that's what the woman said to me. That's what the woman said to me in IKEA. She walks by me. She's a nice woman with a little kid walking behind her. And she says, she walks by me. She says, hello. I said, hello. And she said, and then she kept walking. She said to me, are you a comedian? And I said, no, but you're close, I said. And then I said, uh, I said the blacklist first. You watch the blacklist? Oh, that's my show, she said. (laughs) But I I know you don't watch. But the bit is that he not only is he torture people, but he he, he drags an oxygen tank. And he's got the the kind of. No, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, and it took me three seasons to learn how to act with an oxygen tank dragging, you know, because sometimes I would forget that I had it and I'd start to walk and then, it would, you know, it would be connected to my nose. So, yeah. <laughs> it's I'm like we have some phones and they catching something as you're walking by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and it's connected to it here. My no- so it's like, you know, it pulls, yeah. But it's been great. It's been a fun show, too. They write me. Oh. You never know when he's going to show up. And you yeah. never know what he's be wearing. You never know what animal he's going to have with him. And you never know what he's going to say. And none of it's predictable. Yeah. Like yeah. You, it, and, and, and he never explains why he's come out with the llama to give you the information of what went on. And so <laughs> or, and, and the bit is today match me up with a lot of animals. So yeah. I had I've had boa constrictor around me to do a. An 80-pound, 13-foot bow constrictor around my shoulders in a with the head in a shopping cart. Yeah. Had to do this whole scene with James Spader about I'm not going to back to prison for you. I mm. can't handle it. I'm not well anymore. I have this and this. And, and the worst, yeah. the longest speech I ever had yeah. on the show. I had to do it with this with this snake around my neck. <laughs> and 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 it was Friday night. Everybody wanted to go home. It was the last scene of the weekend. Yeah. And James just looks at me and says, just me and you here, Teddy. Just me and you. Besides so eight foot, the 13 foot snake. And, and we did the scene and it went, it's, and I have the cameras on me. So I, yeah. you know, he can make all the mistakes he wants. The cameras on me. 
and and I got right through it, and it was perfect. And James looked at me and says, "You're the man," he says to me. <laughs> and, so, and we've we've had a great relationship every time. Whenever I see him, it's before COVID. We would we would kiss goodbye. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> on the cheek, I always kiss him goodbye, and he kissed me goodbye on the cheek. And but we, I guess you know, it's uh, COVID. It's it's taking a back seat now. A hundred percent. I remember coming out of COVID. It felt awkward to like hug someone. Like at first, I was like, "Can we do this now? Can we?" It's the sort it, it, of awkward it's like COVID <laughs> hug. It's like you don't really touch. It's the COVID hug they call. Yeah, I don't know if I stole that from somebody, or I might have even made that one up. I don't know. I, I probably a, stole it from somebody. It's yeah. an awkward dance. It's an awkward dance. I think my favorite line of yours in the blacklist. He came out of an interrogation. And you're like, he wouldn't talk. He's tighter than my first life. <laughs> that made me I remember that made me chuckle at the time. But uh, it was always such a good thing. But Teddy, we'll wrap up here. I'll just want yeah. to ask you. Obviously, you've been working for a really long time. What else do you want to check off in the career? Like going forward, is there anything else that you have your eye on or something that you would want to do going forward? You know, yeah, and I don't know if you people you people listen to me. That's <laughs> if, you if you guys in in uh in in, in on that side of uh, of the world, yeah. uh, know who Yogi Berra is. Yes, I know who Yogi Berra is. You know, yep. you know, all right, yep. so in, in 2008, I, I did a, I did a one-man show, and I played Yogi Berra, and it was great. I, I did it in a summer theater in Vermont, and I loved it, and I had a good time with it, and I would, would like to do that again. That's yeah. one thing that, yeah, I would like to do that again, and uh, uh, we'll see. That would be amazing. I would love to see yeah. that. We've yeah, just anything on stage. You just want to do more on stage, but I don't want to go. I don't want to go away. I, you know, I don't want to. You know, like I even recently I got the TV show shot in New Mexico. I don't even remember what it was, but I yeah. said, and they they said, well, we we're really interested in you. And I said to my wife, I don't really want to go to New Mexico. <laughs> You know, I'm happy working here. I don't want to go to New Mexico, and you know, but yeah. but that you know, it's all good. You know, whatever happens, happens. Just stay healthy. That's my goal. Stay healthy, and whatever my grandkids need, uh, I'm there, and my kids, and that's it. All I all I need for the rest of my life, personally, is socks and underwear. <laughs> I love it. I we love can it. leave it at that if you like. Yeah, we can leave it. That sounds like a great place to end here, Teddy. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm Thank really you, David. This. I really well, appreciate it. you again. Don't forget to check out um, the other content that we've got here on the podcast. However, um, we have obviously a She-Hulk episode one to four uh, review coming out. We have been uh, doing our House of the Dragon uh, reviews every week. That's been really fun to have that show back, and a lot of other great content coming out. So. Stay with us, keep tuning in, that's how we're able to give you shows like the interview we had today with Teddy. Um, and I'm sure you agree that was a phenomenal interview and we really thank Teddy again for coming in and talking to me. But until next time, thanks again for listening folks and we will see you soon. Bye.